Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Here's the podcast for The Jeremiah Johnston Show. And don't forget, if you want your question read on the live show, go ahead and send it to me at www.askjjj.com. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hey, Dr. John. Hello. Uh, Hello. Uh, well, since you guys are Christian thinkers. Sorry, I just want to leave that question. I wanted to get your input on that. Sure, appreciate it. Thank you. God bless. That's my question. So, thanks a bunch. Thank you. Welcome to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. Combining cutting-edge biblical scholarship with meaningful, thought-provoking discussions and practical answers to your questions. It's time to own your faith and be a Christian thinker with our host, author, Bible scholar, apologist, and president of the Christian Thinker Society, Dr. Jeremiah Johnston. Merry Christmas, everyone. This is our Christmas broadcast of the Jeremiah Johnston Show, broadcast on Faith Radio Network. Welcome to everyone who's listening across the Central and Eastern Time Zone. Those of you who are listening on your local Faith Radio station, or if you're listening uh, through online on the app, it's such a joy to have you with us on this broadcast today. I want to begin with a very important thought, because this is a very special broadcast in the life of our radio ministry at Christian Thinker Society. I want you to reflect on what the Gospel of Luke had to say about Jesus, and specifically we're coming midstream with the announcement of the birth of the Son of God from the angel Gabriel, which is just a great thing to think about, this amazing angelic messenger who comes to see Mary, and I'm looking at Luke chapter 1, and one of the most important things that you can reflect on with your family and your friends, or if you're by yourself and single at this Christmas time, this is an important passage for all of us to meditate on in this very important Christmas week. It comes from verse thir- verses 32 and 33 of Luke chapter 1. This is Gabriel telling, G- telling Mary about Jesus. She, he's just told him, you will call his name Jesus. Literally, God saves. Verse 32, he will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And by the way, that son of means literally in the Greek, the force is the same as. He's literally, remember, Jesus narrates God to the world. And so in this very special Advent season, let us remember that it is all about Jesus. And I pray that you with me, all brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ listening to this broadcast will be able to worship the one who is called Son of the Most High, that the God has given him literally fulfilled in Jesus the eternal throne of his father David. This is the parousia in Greek. It is the coming. It's Advent in Latin. It is the revealing of Jesus Christ that we celebrate, and we praise God for that. And so we have a very special broadcast today. I'm so excited to introduce you to a special guest. We're going to have a conversation about St. Nicholas, the inspiration um, of the, the, the individual we all celebrate who we don't know really anything about, Santa Claus, St. Nicholas. What's the connection? Is there a connection? <laughs> I'm, I'm fascinated by these questions questions, many of which you've submitted to me through christianthinkers.com. And so uh, this is going to be a great conversation, but even though we're going to be talking about St. Nicholas and answering questions about Santa Claus and the Christmas season, friends, it's all about Jesus Christ. 
Check out Luke 1, 32 to 33. We're going to be right back, continuing our broadcast, this special Christmas broadcast on the Jeremiah Johnston Show. Stay with us back after these messages. Hey, welcome back to the program, everyone. Again, if you're joining us for the very first time, this is the Jeremiah Johnston Show. We love to answer your questions about Christianity, about culture, about faith. And this program very much serves at the intersection of faith and culture. And isn't it great to, to address all of these questions intellectually, um, with our mind, with the minds God's given us, but with the framework of a biblical worldview. Today, I am joined, as I mentioned in our opening monologue, uh, by someone whose career I have followed for years, someone I have respected, who's just an all-around, a-cool guy, uh, Dr. Adam English. He serves as the chair of the Department of Christian Studies at Campbell University. Uh, he teaches Christian theology, philosophy, and the history of Christian thought. He's the author of many books. You want to check out his author central page at Amazon. That's Adam C. English, uh, but it is Christmas time, and one of um, the specialties that Adam is known for now, as someone who has really blessed the academy with an original contribution to knowledge, is everything around St. Nicholas. So, Adam, welcome to the program. It's great to have you with us. I'm excited for our discussion today. Thank you for having me. So, Dr. English, tell us a little bit about it's Christmas time. We hear a lot about Christmas, Santa Claus. Um, what caused you, because I'm holding in my book, in my hands, your very impressive book put out by Baylor University Press, um, The Saint Who Would Be Santa Claus, The True Life and Trials of Nicholas of Mira. Am I saying that right? Sure. No, that's just fine. Mm-hmm. Mira or Myra, <laughs> so, hear it either way. How, um, how, how did you fall into an interest uh, of looking into, um, was there really a Saint Nick? Yeah, it's a it's a great story um, in part because it, it has the feeling of an Indiana Jones type story. I uh, had done a little bit of traveling in Italy, and somewhere along the way, just discovered or just realized that the the bones of Saint Nicholas are buried in Italy in a place called Bari, Italy. And then uh, what really piqued my interest as a scholar, I, I teach theology and philosophy at Campbell, but also really enjoy the, the early church and um, thinking about uh, early Christianity. And, and it piqued my interest to learn that connected to the basilica where the bones of St. Nicholas are buried, there is an archive library uh, run by a group of Dominicans. And I just kind of got curious as to you know, what sort of sources they had. Uh, as you go out and, and, and read books about Santa Claus and St. Nicholas, um, you know, I was really frustrated that most of them, they might give a chapter or a paragraph, something to the effect of, uh, we think there might have been a person who lived a long time ago and was a pastor and did some good things, but we don't know much about him and on to Santa Claus. And uh, so I wanted to know is, do we really not know anything about this historical person? Uh, and so I had a chance, I got a, a research grant to go out and spend wow. some time there at the archive libraries there in Bari, Italy. And what I discovered was that we have a number of sources. Uh, many of them had not been translated um, into English or made available to English readers, but there they were. And so that was just a cool discovery of you know, wow. not only somebody connected to the Christmas tradition, of course, but also someone connected to the Christian tradition. 
uh, and to learn something about a you know a saint of old that uh, you know in many ways we've kind of forgotten, um, even though we we remember Santa Claus and Saint Nick in that sense, but uh, you know who was this person? And so that was just you know a lifetime discovery, absolutely. Well, and it's huge. I mean, uh, truly. Uh, I mean, I take it you already had your PhD at this point, right? Yeah, that's correct. I, I've been uh, teaching here at Campbell University again, theology and, and philosophy. So, um, you know, church history was not my area of specialty, although you know, it's something I've uh, you know always have had interest in. Um, so, yeah, you know, I kind of came at it from that angle, and um, you know, found that uh, not only we have a lot of documents, but we we have a lot of documents that really attest to the historicity of this person. Um, the other thing playing against St. Nicholas in maybe in the last hundred years or so is that there's been a lot of kind of uh, skeptical doubt cast on the existence of this person even. And so people wondered, you know, did this person even exist? And uh, even scholars tended to dismiss him or at least think that he probably existed only in a legendary form. Uh, but, you know, again, like I say, we've got documents that have been collected, uh, many of them by the Dominican scholars there at the archive library who have brought out and brought into light a number of documents that attest to this person existing and doing some remarkable works. If you're just joining us on Faith Radio Network, I'm joined by Dr. Adam English. He's the chair of the Department of Christian Studies at Campbell University. Just an all-around awesome guy, a great professor. Um, and uh, friends, just to put into perspective, I mean, Adam, you need to go for your habilitation now because, I mean, you've basically done uh, the Academy a great service. Uh, time for a second doctorate based on uh, Santa <laughs> Claus um, because this is really groundbreaking work. I mean, for the benefit of our audience that perhaps may not have done Ph.D. work, I mean, this is truly the kind of elbow work, the kind of sweat equity you put into something that's fascinating. You go to the libraries, you get your hands dirty in these documents, many of which are, you know, usually unpublished or even unknown. Um, so tell us, I mean, I'm just fascinated. It's Christmas. I want to jump right into this. I mm -hmm. mean, who, who is, how do we go from St. Nick to Santa Claus um, some people are hearing for the very first time, you mean someone uh, inspired this tradition. This was a real historical figure. You've seen the evidence. Uh, take us deeper, if you would. Sure. I mean, obviously, there's a, a long uh, conversation here that could be had, but uh, just a really quick idea of why was it that this Christian pastor on the southern coast of Turkey became sort of an international superstar um, Early on, his sort of patronage or his popularity was associated with sailors. And, of course, sailors are, pe are people who are going to be traveling up and down the coast and all around. And as they go, they're taking stories of St. Nicholas with them. So he went from just being this local pastor, you know, kind of on the southern coast of Turkey, uh, to being just well-known throughout Russia and um, Spain and England and uh, even uh, one of the first cathedrals in um, uh, Iceland is you know, dedicated to Nicholas. And uh, wow. when Christopher Columbus comes to the, you know, to the Americas, one of the first um, ports is named St. Nicholas. And so, you know, he just becomes really well known because of that association with sailors. Uh, and then through a number of stories, became associated with children and um, you know, so he was well known even before the uh, American time frame 
but of course, you know, Santa Claus per se is is kind of an American invention, uh, more so than anything else. Um, and I mean, I don't want to. I don't know how many children are listening. <laughs> I love Santa Claus. Spoiler great, alert! Uh, but, spoiler <laughs> but, <laughs> but the Santa traditions really come about in the um, early 1800s, and in into the 1900s, of course, and uh, and are still with us today. But it's just really the latest uh, iteration of Saint Nicholas popularity, which is to say, Saint Nicholas has been popular you know, for hundreds of years in different ways and shapes. And this is kind of just the latest way in which he's still popular. Okay. People are fascinated by this. I know you deal with this every day and have for years, but Dr. English, so educate us a little bit about um, this. And again, friends, uh, you're going to want to get the book, The Saint Who Would Be Santa Claus. And also there's another excellent book as well that I hope to discuss in one of our three segments today um, called Christmas Theological Anticipations, which I just love. Uh, I'm a gospel scholar, Adam, so I love I love um, the infancy narratives. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much that we can reflect on as, the, as we approach this season, so I'm so appreciative of your work. But how did we go from, uh, and by the way, so we're talking about a true Christian pastor who lived in the fourth century. So how do we go from that? Um, and the, again, the documents and all the evidence you've reviewed to d- jolly old, you know, overweight, yeah. fat guy, Santa Claus. Uh, and then answer that question. But then sure. can you talk about some of the other traditions, even the tree? I mean, are these things truly Christian um, contemplations uh, in their embryonic beginnings? Oh, you know, that's a great question. I mean, I grew up in a, uh, I'll say, you know, very conservative Christian home or um, and we were kind of part of a charismatic church. And, um, you know, so there was a, very much a, a wariness about Santa in not only my home, but of course, kind of the Christian circles we were running in. You know, you could rearrange the letters of Santa to spell Satan, you know, <laughs> there's a suspicion <laughs> right. that, okay, it might be okay to give your kids presents at Christmas, but we don't want Santa anywhere near the manger uh, and anywhere, you know, that, you know, of course, the, the bumper sticker, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season. And um, so there was a, you know, there's a great deal of wariness about this. Is this person stealing the limelight uh, from the true meaning of Christmas? Uh, and again, that was one of the is really great discoveries of, you know, maybe one of the personal motivators of this work that I was doing to discover that, um, you know, that this real person, Nicholas, is a man of faith and somebody to be upheld as a model and, and somebody to, you know, that is an inspiration at this holiday season. And so we don't have to, you know, close the door on this person. In fact, we've got a, a job to recover uh, the yes. original St. Nicholas. Um, but, yeah, the, the, you know, that's not your original question. There was about Santa. Um, it really comes about in the early 1800s uh, in in New York. Um, John Pintard is a big promoter there in New York City, and um, he's trying to just connect, find traditions that connect to the old world, and he sort of stumbles upon St. Nicholas as um, this, you know, um, tradition from Holland and as Dutch sort of figure, and so he, he begins promoting St. Nicholas Day and um, St. Nicholas sort of stories, and then uh, very quickly thereafter, you have, uh, of course, the poem that the, um, you know, the night before Christmas, uh, which of course the original title is the you know a visit from St. Nicholas, right? So mm. you, there you have this 
kind of captured image of St. Nicholas now no longer as a as a Christian bishop and minister, but you know as a jolly old elf who's um, you know uh, you know cheeks are round and merry and you know, he's uh mm-hmm. you know he's got a a belly like a bowl full of jelly and <laughs> he's there to give <laughs> gifts and um you know and then kind of disappear up the chimney. And so it really is with that poem that we start to have a sort of revisioning of Nicholas now, you know, without any signs of of being a a bishop or a Christian pastor or what have you, uh, but now as as a gift giver. Interesting. Wow. Uh, Friends, we're talking with Dr. Adam English. He's a professor at Campbell University. We've got to jump to a break, but when we come back, I'm going to ask Dr. English, who's written this fabulous book, The Saint Who Would Be Santa Claus, how did we go for, how did Saint Nick really become remembered in tradition as the greatest giver of all time? And I, I want to press into that even a little bit further. You're listening to The Jeremiah Johnson Show. We'll be right back after these messages. Hey, welcome back to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. I'm joined by Dr. Adam English and his fabulous work that he's been uh, publishing now um, for years and doing interviews on, on St. Nicholas, the historical figure of St. Nicholas. We're having a fabulous conversation. If you've missed this, you're going to want to definitely subscribe to the Jeremiah Johnston Show podcast. Check it out in the archives at Faith Radio Network. Uh, This is a program that is a lot of fun, and we're just getting started, and I want to cover as much ground as we can. So um, I want to ask you about a passage um, and then just let you run with it. Uh, that's actually not recorded in the Gospels. Um, Paul, Paul gives us this passage in Acts 20, verse 35. He says, Remembering the words of our Lord Jesus, that it's more blessed to give than to receive. This is this great tradition of mm-hmm. Jesus. It's more blessed to give than to receive. What about this passage or the spirit behind the passage that motivated this Saint Nick, this historical person from the 4th century, to become known then as the greatest giver of all time? It's such a great story, and it's it's definitely the one that connects Nicholas to the Santa Claus gift-giving tradition. Uh, Nicholas was a young man, not yet a, a pastor um, or a bishop or anything like that. Uh, his parents had recently died, and we, we know about a plague that had gone through that area uh, in the late 200s, which is when Nicholas uh, was was alive and still a young man. Nicholas had inherited then a sum of money from his parents and was trying to decide, you know, what should I do with this? Um, he already felt in his heart a strong conviction that he wanted to serve the Lord and serve the gospel, but now I've got this money, what's the responsible thing here? And he hears of a neighbor uh, who has lost everything and is contemplating selling off his three daughters into slavery or prostitution. Uh, which is just a horrific thing to contemplate. You and I, we can't even imagine doing this. And yet, you know, this is this is the, the level of desperation that this man has reached. And we know of other people who did just that uh, at that time. And uh, we've got laws against it. The, the, the government was trying to forbid it, and, and yet people still did it because of uh, their desperation. So Nicholas decides to intervene. And... Uh, but he wanted to intervene and not be known for it. He wanted to do it anonymously. And so mm-hmm. he you know, goes by the man's house 
at late at night and uh, through the open window tosses a bag of coins. It's found in the morning, and the man decides to use the money to um, basically pay for a dowry so that one of the daughters might be able to marry out of her condition. And so Nicholas is watching all this. He sees how the man uses the money and uh, decides to act again with a second uh, gift uh, through the window late at night anonymously. Um, and so as you can imagine, now the, the family is wondering, you know, who is this who is doing this for us? They've got one more daughter. And the father, of course, sits up every night wondering, you know, is this going to happen a third time? And then when it does, the father runs out the door and catches Nicholas um, and, wow. you know, makes him tell him who he is. Nicholas does, but, you know, says, please, you know, don't say anything about this. Um, and so you've got this great, um, you know, moment where Nicholas is not only helping his family out, but, but doing it anonymously. And, of course, you can see there the, the seeds of a Santa Claus tradition of gift giving. Uh, in later editions of the story, uh, Nicholas comes to the house and finds the windows locked and so has to drop the, the bag of gold down the chimney where it lands in a stocking that's hanging there to dry. And, you know, so you can kind of see uh, elements of the Santa Claus story already there. Um, wow. Um, I love this. Again, Fred's, we're joined by Adam English. I want to encourage you to check him out, uh, all of his books. The Saint. We're discussing the, the saint who would be Santa Claus. Um, and so uh, take us even further. I'm, I'm fascinated, and I, I know we're jumping around a little bit, Dr. English, but um, I'm, I'm interested. So you mentioned the businessman in New York. You mentioned that was kind of where we got this image mm -hmm. of Coca-Cola and Santa, and that was based on uh, something from Holland. Can you keep tracing the tradition back? Where does it finally meet up with St. Nick, essentially, uh, who were the historical figure who you've done so much research on? Right. Um you know, so this story of Nicholas giving these gifts, it is, it, you know, it's just so arrestingly beautiful, but also simple. I mean, this is the kind of thing that any of us could do. I mean, so many of the stories of the saints in the early church told of, of miraculous tales of, uh, you know, of healing or of, um, you know, performing some kind of miracle. And, you know, as people hear about that in church, you know, I'm sure there's some of them thought, that's amazing, but I couldn't do that, you know. Mm, I'm just a simple yeah. farmer or what have you. But here, and this is a story that is about an ordinary act of goodness that anybody could do. It takes no special that. powers to do it. And so, you know, I think in that sense, it, it sort of catches people's imagination in ways that other more astonishing miracle stories just fail. Mm. Uh, and so we have, uh, for example, in the 1200s, um, nuns who are wrapping little gifts and leaving them in France, leaving them on the doorstep for children, and signed from St. Nicholas. Uh, you know, they're mm. saying that they can do that. Uh, and, you know, this is where I would encourage, you know, Christians today, as we think about uh, living out and acting out the, the deeds and the, the life of St. Nicholas um, there might be ways in which we can help out our neighbors anonymously uh, with, you know, I don't know, um, anything from some baked cookies to um, a bag of groceries or something like that that we leave on the doorstep. Um, so people are, are doing this, and, you know, it sort of catches on. Uh, and eventually, obviously, parents begin to do it for their own children. And, and so we have a long tradition of St. Nicholas gifts being given 
typically that's done not, or historically it's been done not on December 24th and 25th, uh, but on St. Nicholas Day, um, which is December 6th. So December mm. 5th and 6th would be the traditional St. Nicholas Day gift giving. Hmm. So when did December 25 come up um, at, with connection with Santa Claus specifically? Yeah, again, that that goes back to the American tradition there of uh, that, um, you know, the the visit from St. Nicholas the night before Christmas. Um, in the, it's interesting. I mean, the early, you know, eight, mid-1800s, uh, gift-giving, there's no set date for it. Sometimes it is January 1st. Sometimes it's December 6th. Sometimes it's December 25th. It sort of bounces around. And then just sort of uh, the, I don't know, the cultural forces sort of uh, move it to Christmas Day, um, but it, gotcha. it, it sort of moves around. So again, t- it, today, like in Holland and in places like in, in over in, in Europe, um, gift giving is still done on December 5th and 6th rather than the 25th. But in America, mm. we just well, we just kind of <laughs> settled on the 25th as a better day <laughs> but for no for no particular reason. Um, I want to ask you because I've read your book. Um, what what about tell our audience? You know why is why is Saint Nicholas also the patron saint of prisoners? Yeah, that's another piece. I you know I love to discover when I got into this. We think of Nicholas as being generous and having a heart for uh, for people in in need, but we don't often connect Nicholas with a uh, a mind for justice. And he certainly had that. Um, so there are other stories about Nicholas, certainly stories of his generosity, but then other stories where he is confronting uh, injustice in his own hometown. Uh, so one of the most famous ones involves Nicholas halting an execution of three innocent individuals, you know, literally as the execution is going on. Um, they they oh. are been bound and um, you know put on the ground and, uh, you know, this the executioner is there with the sword, and Nicholas stops it. So some, what's exciting, some of the old images you'll see of Nicholas in churches and in various places, Nicholas has a sword in his hand, which is a reference to that story. But wow. if, you know, if you're only thinking about Santa Claus and you see that image, <laughs> it's sort of a, a, you know, striking. You're like, why is you know, Santa Claus got a sword in his hand? Um, you know, but it's referring to that. Uh, but again, I love that idea that um, this is someone, you know, there's more depth to this character. He's Absolutely. not just a gift giver, but he's also, you know, somebody who's concerned about justice. And so tell us about just the earliest image that we know of of St. Nicholas. Uh, sure. Um, you know, again, I guess the very earliest one would be from um, maybe about the 600s or so. And uh, it's from a monastery in um you know, the Mount Sinai Monastery in, in Egypt. Um, but, you know, it's very early on that we have, I think, kind of the standard image of St. Nicholas set with the, the beard. And we knew that he lived to a, a ripe old age. So the idea of him having a, a whitened beard is certainly appropriate and and having that look. Um, you know, if we think back to the original St. Nicholas, um, he would have been dressed in a very simple way, maybe a gray or brown or black um, tunic. Uh, you know, we see in Europe, you'll see kind of um, Nicholas dressed as a as a bishop with, you know, fine robes and um, a large miter hat and 
um, you know, gloves and all, all of this dressed like a bishop. But, you know, the original St. Nicholas would have been just a simple pastor um, and and certainly in no ways dressed in finery. <laughs> but, you mean his shoes wouldn't be on Instagram? No, no, not, not at all, <laughs> I'm afraid. Some people aren't going to understand that reference, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love it. something to keep in mind is that, you know, this is uh, – you know, again, in a way of humanizing this person, you know, when we see, um, you know, the old world Santa Claus or, or St. Nicholas images, you know, we see him dressed on these fineries and his robes and, and that kind of thing. And I, that's fine for costuming. I don't have any problem with that. But, of course, it's not how the original guy would have looked. Um, he would have been much more relatable. Uh, so it it reminds me too of just even images of Jesus that you see today. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> you know? right. Let us not forget Jesus was from Judaica, would have had olive skin. He didn't have blonde hair and blue eyes, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, um, that's I, exactly I just, right. I love this. Um, I and we don't have much time until our our final break, but I do want to ask you about. Um, I'm fascinated by the early church councils because, um, and I and I think you raise a, a fabulous point that I want to introduce to our whole audience about the pivotal role that he would have played in shaping Christianity at the Council of Nicaea. Oh yeah, so that was another just exciting discovery that Nicholas did attend the Council of Nicaea, which is a watershed event in the history of Christianity. The year 325, it's a time when the um, this Nicene Creed is promulgated, which really sort of articulates who is Jesus for us as Christians. I mean, nobody had yet really just articulated it in a clear and, and, and concise way. Uh, so it's just a major moment, uh, and Nicholas was there, you know, so that's so <laughs> exciting to, to have. Now, we don't know, I mean, there's, there's really no records of what anybody said or did, yeah. uh, so I don't know that he played any particular uh, role there, but, you know, he was definitely present um, from the sources. Uh, it's a, you know, anyways, there, there's, uh, there's a number of sources that confirm he was there. And, um, you, you know, th just a really quick, I don't know if we have a second for it. Yeah, go uh, ahead. We've got 90 about, seconds. Okay. <laughs> we can do it quick. Uh, if you, if you, you know, trolling around on the internet, you'll see all kinds of memes about St. Nicholas slapping a heretic. Uh, and it's in reference to this whole event uh, so I just see these things everywhere. St. Nicholas slapping Arius, who is kind of the arch-heretic of the Council of Nicaea. And, and that actually goes back to a tradition. Uh, it's not historical, but it goes back to a tradition uh, in the, um, I think, late, uh, early 1500s, excuse me, from Venice, where we have a tradition that gets started that uh, Nicholas was, you know, he's so uh, passionate and zealous for the faith uh, that when he heard the heresy of Arius, you know, he stood up and, and struck him. And, uh, at the council. At the council, right. <laughs> and, so, and it ends up being, uh, in the story, it ends up being imprisoned for it, uh, you know, because obviously you've, you've struck someone in the presence of the emperor and all these dignitaries, and, you know, that can't be tolerated. Um, so, I, you know, I love that story, but it has no basis in history. But you'll see it all <laughs> over the Internet, these little memes and things about, uh, um, you know, Nicholas came to give out presents and, punch heretics and he just ran out of presents so <laughs> <laughs> i love it friends we're having so much fun in this conversation with dr adam english so we're going to be right back after 90 seconds um i want to ask him about some theological anticipations now in light of what we've learned of saint nicholas stay with us you're listening to the jeremiah johnson show on faith radio network
Hey, welcome back to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. Merry Christmas, everyone. I'm back with Dr. Adam English, who, as I've mentioned, but if you're just joining us, he's chair of the Department of Christian Studies at Campbell University. Uh, he's published widely in the area of philosophy and theology. Um, he has a great ministry of preaching and teaching. Uh, wouldn't you love to be a student of Dr. English in one of his courses? Uh, well, you can learn from him. His excellent book, The Saint Who Would Be Santa Claus, is what we've been discussing. Uh, but you've also released another book. I actually don't have this one. I've been reading about it today in anticipation and preparation for my discussion with you called Theological Anticipations of Christmas. And uh, Dr. English, what's the big idea here? Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun writing uh, this book on Christmas. I, I just began to realize that as I worked on St. Nicholas, uh, that I was accumulating other just insights and fascinating pieces that were more related to Christmas than anything. So, you know, I wanted to write a second book uh, and also one that could connect more to, to churches and ministers, uh, you know, and people trying to think theologically about Christmas. Um, you know, I, I don't know how it is in your family or, or you're growing up, but I, I've always been, I guess, conflicted by Christmas in some ways, how, you know, on the one hand, it is this high and holy and solemn day in the Christian faith, the the incarnation of our Lord and Savior. And it feels like, you know, there's so much importance there. And then on the other hand, uh, it's a day of, of family celebrations and gift giving and, and carol singing. Um, and then as even a third thing, it's, it's this commercial events of um, movies and, you know, yard ornaments and, you know, shopping and all of this. And I guess, you know, I think a lot of Christians feel very conflicted about that. Mm -hmm. um, so we have these kind of cultural wars. Is it is it happy holidays or is it Merry Christmas? Yeah. And, you know, there's a big, you know, hullabaloo about, um, you know, at the Starbucks, you know, mugs. And at that time, you know, well, you know, they... Um, we want our, our Starbucks mugs to have sort of cr uh, some kind of nod towards Christmas and not just generically red. And, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> we get these sort of things that it just people get in a twist about it, right? And so, you, again, you've seen the bumper sticker, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season, and we're going to set up our nativity. But at the same time, you know, people are setting up their nativities, they're setting up their uh, Grinch inflatables and their, <laughs> you know, reindeer and all of this. And, and so how do we reconcile all of this in our minds, in our homes, but also in our theology. And that, that was kind of the task that I, I took on mm. in this work is to try to find a way, uh, because I, I just don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's realistic or, or even the best way to go to say, okay, we have to shun one of these completely or pretend like it doesn't exist completely. Um, you know, we're, we're whole people. And, I, you know, I think the Lord has has given us good things to enjoy and not to be ashamed of that. And so, you know, it's part of that holistic approach. Yes, we want to say yes to the theological meaning of Christmas, you know, but also yes to the merriment and enjoyment and yes to our family and, and all of this. So, uh, you know, again, I, I mentioned to you earlier, you know, I grew up in a, a pretty conservative Christian home or a home that was connected with a very conservative Christian church that just had a lot of, weariness about hmm. celebrating Christmas. And, uh, you know, I know there's some churches that um, if, a, if a Sunday falls on December 25th, I mean, they might have service and not even really mention that it's Christmas. And, hmm. and we're just going to have a regular service. 
um, and, and not – but part of what they're trying to do, right, is trying to say we, we don't want to give in to the commercialism, the secularism that's connected with it and all that. So, I mean, they come from a good place, but I, I just think at the end of the day, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's maybe not the, the most helpful way to go. Hmm. And so these theological reflections really allow us to integrate our faith within our culture, within our family, but be mindful and keep Jesus centered. Is there any is there any immediate steps for all of us parents who are listening to you based on this awesome book, Christmas Theological Reflections and Anticipations? Um, just some how tos or recommendations that you'd share with us. Sure, uh, you know the 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 biggest how to I guess would just be to. Uh, be intentional as a family, mm-hmm. um, and this and this is harder than it looks, right? Because yeah. you oh, know, I especially know. the holidays, there's so much on families, and they're trying to do so much, and uh, so it is hard to be intentional. It, it really is. But okay, as you're as you're setting up your um, Christmas decorations, um, you know, a great tradition is the Advent wreath, and you might have it at your church, but you can have it at your home. There's no rule against that. Uh, which is just a wreath with some candles in it, and, and the candles have different colors and different meanings, and you light them throughout the Christmas season, uh, and it re- you know each candle sort of represents uh, a part of the Bethlehem story and the meaning of Christmas. Hmm. So again, as we have our reindeer out and we're watching, you know, the Grinch who stole Christmas and this kind of thing, we have this other tradition. So find ways hmm. to integrate. Um, you know, I think a great tradition is obviously families reading the Christmas story together, you know, in addition to the yeah. other things they're doing. Um, and I, I really encourage families to, to, to think about some kind of St. Nicholas acts, uh, especially, you know, December 6th, somewhere around that time, uh, where you might think, okay, as a family, we want to, or as a church, you know, we want to do something that's in the spirit of St. Nicholas. I love it. Giving gifts to each other as family members, is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But, hey, we also want to teach our kids to give gifts to others who are in need, others whom we don't even know, who might not know us. Uh, so there are ways, I think, to just integrate it without, you know, getting rid of some of our family traditions, um, but just add to. I love it. Um, I want to ask you a couple of more general questions, um, Dr. English. Um, something that I regret um, is that in the Reformation, I feel like we've lost something. Um, you know, Martin Luther was so against praying to saints that mm-hmm. we now no longer e- are even aware. I mean, you think about it. We've got the, the Baseball Hall of Fame. We have the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I've been there. Um, you've got the college. You know, we have Hall of Fames for everything. We remember the great heroes in sports, but we're having this inspirational discussion that's being broadcast right now across faith radio. That's inspiring many people who are listening, many people after the fact of the podcast. And I guarantee you 99% of people are just hearing about St. Nicholas, the real St. Nicholas for the very first time in their life. And that's because as Christians and quote, and I've say this very broadly um, outside of the reformation of Martin Luther, we no longer know who our Christian heroes are, Adam. We don't know who they are. We don't know what they did. Uh, we know about Jesus and the New Testament figures, and then there's this huge um, dearth <laughs> for 2,000 years. So help us. I mean, how do, we, how do we reflect on the great Christian heroes who have gone before us? It's such a tragedy. And so, yeah, you do, I do encounter Christians who say, you know, I don't, we don't 
well, we don't have saints, we don't worship saints, and this sort of thing. And they're just you're absolutely shocked to realize that the word saint appears over 90 times in the New Testament. Mm. Uh, but it's not part of our vocabulary, and that's or the evangelical vocabulary, at least. And it's such a tragedy because it's a biblical word, it's a biblical concept. And it's something that we've just shut the door to, right, as you say, because of um, the Reformation and, and, you know, some of the much-needed reforms at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a, it definitely was a case of throwing the baby out with the bathwater uh, in that sense, because we have lost a sense of our legacy and, and our family members. So I, I would encourage Christians who struggle with the concept of saints to think of them as family members and that's what they are. These are these are our brothers and sisters in Christ and who have done remarkable things that should inspire us. Wouldn't you want to know about that? Just like we would want to know about our own inheritance in our family and um you know our own DNA and, and all of that. I mean, wouldn't we want to know about our brothers and sisters in Christ? And it's such a richer faith. I, you know, I think there's a lot of Christians that feel like you know, we're we're out there on our own, um, you know, we're under attack from the world or, you know, maybe we're, our church is declining or something like this. We're just kind of out here on these little islands by ourselves. And then when you start learning about the Christians who have come before us, you realize, no, we're not alone. We're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, as Hebrews says. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's just important to to keep in mind. So, yeah, it's, it has been a huge blessing in my own life to learn about not only Nicholas, but then obviously I opened the door to other saints of old and to learn about their lives and realize that, you know, uh, we, we've got models before us and we have people who, um, you know, are in heaven encouraging us and, and that's right. I think cheering us on. Right. And that's exciting. It really is. Um, I want to ask you about dating because I, I receive this question all the time, especially this time of year. And, and I think it's important for Christians to know that the traditional date of Christmas, I mean, is very ancient. It goes back to the second century. Even John Chrysostom in the fourth century argued uh, for a December 25th date for the birth of Jesus. Um, but have you uncovered any other additional information or interesting information that would support a December 25th date? Or perhaps you have a different idea, or perhaps it wasn't as important in the early church, the day of Jesus's birth because of a focus on his death. Um, we've only got about two minutes, but that's my final question for you. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I do have a whole chapter in the uh, Christmas book on the dating question. It, it is, to me, another really fascinating idea. Uh, so that the traditional date of the 25th, and it's taken from a couple of places. Um, you know, one is that the uh, the date of the appearance of Gabriel to Mary is March 25th, and so if you hmm. kind of move, um, if you move uh, nine months forward, uh, that brings you to December 25th. Well, how do we get March 25th for the appearance to Mary? Uh, you can backdate that by um, uh, Mary's visit to uh, Elizabeth, <laughs> who is <Wow. laughs> who's pregnant with uh, John. And so we have, and of course, uh, that is connected to, um, <clears throat> you know, Elizabeth's husband, Zechariah, you know, doing priest work and getting a visit from an angel. And we can know that's, okay, that's happening on the, the holiest of holy days. Yom Kippur. So we know when that happened, so we can move forward 
to March 25th and then move from, forward from there to December 25th. Interesting. So there's a lot of biblical uh, rationale for placing it March uh, at December 25th. In addition, it you know it also is uh, this winter solstice, which is you know the darkest day of the year, after which every day starts becoming a little bit lighter, and so it's uh. the kind of the end of darkness and the beginning of light. Um, and it was a traditional day of celebration uh, for the Romans and the Greeks, uh, the Greek Linnea and the Roman uh, Saturnalia and, and things like that. So there were a lot of celebrations associated with it. But I think originally it's the 25th because of those biblical calculations. Um, wow. Uh, and you have certainly shed light, um, just a segue on to all of us today, Dr. English. I just want to thank you so much for your work. I want to th- encourage everyone to pick up, what a great book for you to read this this Christmas season, The Saint Who Would Be Santa Claus. Um, Dr. English, I've enjoyed this conversation. It's gone way too fast. Can you come back again and let's keep talking about great saints in the faith? Absolutely. All right, friends, I'll be back with some final thoughts. Stay with us, and Merry Christmas. You're listening to the Jeremiah Johnson Show on Faith Radio Network. Hey, it's Jeremiah Johnston, and welcome back to the broadcast here on Faith Radio Network or wherever you're listening. It might be on the podcast. That was a fabulous and interesting conversation with Adam English. I'm definitely going to bring him back to the show. Um, I'm fascinated by his work. And again, I'm, I, I want to compliment him again. I mean, this, this kind of original research we so appreciate in the academy, someone that's willing to go uh, to the expense and effort to go to these monasteries and libraries and look through the remnants, the collections, and see previously unpublished thoughts or actions, and to get to the heart, the evidence um, of these individuals that we discuss and think about and remember and reflect on from church history. Uh, I do want to just pause with some thoughts, though. Um, the entire conversation over St. Nicholas, which is really finds its in- inspiration from the spirit of Jesus, which is exactly what I discussed very briefly with Adam. It's this whole thought from Acts 20, verse 35. And I'm, I'm interested in, the, on, in this thought from Paul saying, remember the words of our Lord Jesus, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And I want you to reflect on that this Christmas season, because this entire conversation, St. Nicholas was known from sailors and prisoners as someone who was very generous. And he wasn't just generous with his lips, ladies and gentlemen, he was generous with actions. And isn't it fascinating that he did so anonymously, just in the name of Jesus? You know what that tells me as a Christian thinker? He was doing it for God. He wasn't doing it to be recognized socially. He wasn't doing it to get ahead in life in his economic circles because God has given us the greatest gift in Jesus Christ as a reflection of his worship to the Lord Christ, remembering the words of our Lord Jesus that it is indeed more blessed to give than to receive. Saint Nicholas became known for his audacious generosity. And I just think that's a great thought for all of us to meditate on this Christmas broadcast on the Jeremiah Johnson Show. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Um, And and just a few final thoughts. Can I just say thank you so much? Thousands of you who message me, who connect with Christian Thinker Society over the airwaves. You send me messages that you're praying for our ministry. You're praying that God would use our resources, our messages, the content that we broadcast, that we air here on Faith Radio Network and around the world 
um, that you're praying that it will bring transformation to people's lives. I want you to know how grateful I am to you for those messages. They really are so encouraging. I just want to say thank you. I want you to know how grateful to God I am for you, our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And I want you to know I'm praying for you. I thank you. This really is a ministry. It's a labor of love of our ministry to do this broadcast. And we're doing it for the one reason that you can grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. I also want to reflect very quickly. This is a season to make fresh new commitments to God. So in this Christmas season, as you look on a brand new year that's dawning, what new commitments to God do you want to make? In what areas do you want to love them more? In what areas do you want to be more sacrificial? These are great thoughts for us to meditate on. Let us never forget that Jesus is always there. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And by by his grace, because of what he did for us at the cross, salvation is freely available for all of us. I hope you'll take a moment and reflect on the greatest gift in your life that you know which is Jesus Christ and his gospel. Share it with somebody. Love somebody in the name of Jesus. Friends, it's been a joy to have you on this fascinating and interesting and fun Christmas broadcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Thanks for listening to the podcast from The Jeremiah Johnston Show. I definitely want to hear from you, so if you have a follow-up question from today's program, you can submit it to me at www.askjjj.com. You'll also see how you can connect with us from there across social media. And don't forget, these conversations are available because of listener support. And you can make a gift right now to the Faith Radio Network at www.myfaithradio.com. And to avoid missing future editions of The Jeremiah Johnston Show, please subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. You can do a Google Play RSS feed. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of the program.